This is Inside the Writer's Head with Danny McLean, the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton Counties Writer in Residence for 2020. The Library Foundation's Writer in Residence program promotes writing, literacy, and creativity while furthering the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. Here is Danny McLean. Welcome to Inside the Writer's Head. I'm Danny McLean, your writer in residence for 2020. On this podcast, you can expect conversations with writers and other lovers of books, journalism, and the literary arts. And I'm thrilled that our inaugural conversation for this season of the podcast is with, drum roll, <laughs> the library's inaugural writer in residence, the person who six years ago stepped into this newly created role and set a very high bar for all who would follow. Kathy Y. Wilson is an acclaimed writer, performer, educator, and art collector, largely known for her provocative column, Your Negro Tour Guide, which was published for eight years from 2000 to 2005, and again in 2013 to 2016 in Cincinnati's alt weekly City Beat. And uh, Your Negro Tour Guide was later adapted as a book and one-woman play. In addition to her multiple creative iterations, of your Negro tour guide, Wilson has received national exposure through her national public radio commentaries on All Things Considered and has been a contributing writer for the monthly Cincinnati Magazine, developing longer form content about challenging Cincinnati issues and local profiles. She's also taught writing as an adjunct professor at the University of Cincinnati. Wilson has won accolades for her writings from the Ohio Society of Professional Journalists, the Cleveland Press Club, and the Associated Press Society of Ohio. Twice, not once, but twice, (laughs) a fellow of the Knight Center for Specialized Journalism at the University of Maryland. She was also a finalist for a National Magazine Award for her profile of Cincinnati-based conservative talk radio host Bill Cunningham. In September 2014, the Library Foundation of the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County named Kathy Wilson its inaugural writer-in-residence. In May 2016, Wilson received the Rosa F. and Samuel B. Sachs Fund Prize, awarded by Secret Committee, giving recognition to her many contributions to Cincinnati's cultural life and civic discourse. On a personal note, Kathy has also been a friend and mentor to me, She brought me on as a freelancer at City Beat in the early 2000s, and just last year she joined me at Joseph Beth for a conversation about my first book when it was published. Um, And along the way, over our many years of friendship, she's generally showed me that it's possible to be a full-time professional writer. Welcome, Kathy Y. Wilson. Danny McLean. What is happening? You know how some people um, have um, uh, really fake humility? My sister has a name for that. I forget what it's called. False humility, maybe. And they say, oh, it's just an honor to be nominated. I like to win. I like to win. And it was not, uh, I used to have, uh, it used to be hard for me to listen to people Mm. announce me and uh, read that bio. But uh, as I sit here now, it sounds really good. Make make that made me feel good. Thank you so much. I'm tired, though. You're welcome. It's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. That is a lot of work. And I want to get into talking about... Um, your writing, uh, which I've always been a huge fan of. Thank you. Um, and so I actually want to just jump right in and talk about something that you published a year ago, Mm -mm. January, 2019, Mm -mm. uh, the fabulously 
headlined, You Remind Me of a Creep. Ah, <laughs> and that's enough. We don't have money for, we didn't pay for that sample. That's, that's right. Enough. That's yeah. right. We, we don't have the license. Yeah, for that, that was like so. half a bar. Right. You Remind Me of a Creep. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, playing off R. Kelly's You Remind Me of My Jeep. Yep. Um, and that came out just after the docuseries Surviving R. Kelly mm-hmm. uh, broadcast. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I just love that that you wrote that piece. It was so brilliant. It Thank was um, right on time. Um, it was kind of a perfect moment where we needed your voice as someone who over the years has written about um, black women and girls, uh, mm-hmm. the ways in which we are often ignored mm-hmm. in, in public discourse. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I actually just, you know, I think about that because we don't get to hear your voice as often mm-hmm. these days, uh-huh. um, in print at least. Uh-huh. Um, and I wonder if just to start, you could speak a bit about why um, we're not able to to see your writing around town as much as uh, we would like to. Oh, girl, mama been sick. Mama. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of that this hour. Um, <laughs> Mama's been ill. Um, a few years ago, I had a... Uh, double uh, diagnosis I think it's just 2020 so it was uh, but it's coming up maybe on six years now Um, I got a double diagnosis of congestive heart failure and end-stage renal failure Mm. and that was after months and months and months of being bedridden and things happening to my body I didn't understand Um, eventually I also found out that I had uh, two quarts of fluid locked in my right lung, Mm. which is why I was uh, feeling like I was going to have a heart attack every time I took a step. And uh, so I was hospitalized for a couple of weeks and immediately put on dialysis and uh, given a defibrillator, um, which is like a pacemaker, Uh, I think a little bigger though. So mine is on my left rib cage and it, and it looks like a Gideon Bible. Uh, (laughs) What? Uh, Anybody who stayed in the hotel knows what a Gideon Bible is, but this is the travel size, like the purse size. And it's very disconcerting. I'm very self-conscious about it. It doesn't stop me from wearing certain types of clothes. Um, it does still feel like I'm sleeping on a book. If you've ever like rolled over on the remote, mm. imagine sleeping, trying to sleep on that all night long. I'm not complaining. I'm just trying to give you a vivid picture of that. And uh, so dialysis, I had some stents put in my heart, got a couple stents in my leg, uh, lost a toe. I'm 9K9. If you know me very well, you can call me 9K9. Um, and let's see, uh, had a silent heart attack. Mm. Uh, I've had some issues on dialysis, uh, but I, I am strong and feeling good. I uh, lost 125 pounds. Uh, it's really Damn, hard for people to believe. Yeah, 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 I didn't realize yeah, Your that. girl was 252 wow. at one point. <laughs> so uh, being sick is a great diet. If you, <laughs> you ladies out there who are so self-conscious about your body image, just get sick. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I recommend a chronic illness. Yeah, no, never, yeah, that's a chronic that. illness that. diet. That's mm. the CID. Everything is abbreviated now. Um, so I have been contributing, and I started getting chronically ill when I, after I came back to City Beat. And thank you for figuring out those years, because I've never been able to figure out the years of when I came back at the invitation of Danny Cross, who is no longer there. <clears throat> so I uh, reestablished my voice and myself. People got used to me again. And then I started to publish... 
pardon me, three times a month because I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. I think I went to two times a month and then I just finally said, I got to stop. And now Nick Schwartzell is the um, news editor there. And we had an agreement whereby I could come back and whenever something struck me. And there was one other, I feel like there's been like maybe three with Nick Schwartzell. Right. Was it, I think there was Bill Cosby, maybe. There was one about my illness because people were just so concerned. I heard a rumor that I had AIDS at one point. Wow. Um, so I just wanted to talk to the people. Yeah. And then R. Kelly. Yeah. I mean, so how, how is that feeling for you? Do you do you miss it? Do you miss having a platform? Because let me tell you, so this summer in July, when Judge Tracy Hunter was sentenced... Yeah, I Tracy was, Hunter. Okay. That was the. Did you come that, back and write something yeah, about Tracy Hunter? Yeah, that was Hunter? a okay. yeah, tale of two judges. Okay. Yeah, but that wasn't that earlier. Was that because when she when at her sentencing where it was all, you're right it was a dramatic court scene she you're was right. dragged out of the courtroom yeah and I was thinking this is a Kathy Y Wilson moment yeah. like we're not going to understand this moment right without Kathy weighing in and everybody who asked me about it I was like oh look I don't even know I'm not going to pretend like I know the ins and outs but you need to go back and read Kathy's profile file of Tracy Hunter in Cincinnati Magazine. I was directing everybody I appreciate to that. that. Jay Stowe, who used to be the editor at Cincinnati Magazine, he sent me a note and said his friends from around the country were asking him about it and he was sending the, that link to people. Can you believe that's amazing? Thank you. Um, so It yeah, was the a, definitive piece. A tale of two judges. You came before R. Kelly. You're absolutely right. And that, while she, soon after she had her moment of civil disobedience because that's what it was mm -hmm. and they took her out um i was in what i call a welfare van <laughs> which is a, a van that is sanctioned by my insurance to give me rides to dialysis that's a whole another thing that's all going to be talked about in my book the dialysis diaries which i've been working on hilarious um so i was in the van with this, this black woman driver that i'd had before and i'd you know, you know, you've been in relationships with with people sometimes like really strangers, but maybe it's somebody that you said daycare or at the grocery store all the time. And they're really, really ignorant and obnoxious. And you have made them think that you like them <laughs> just to get through <laughs> your task. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. I it's 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 what I somebody know I know used to call contorting. It's contortion. Mm -hmm. So to get through this 11 minute ride. Um, and that's the thing about me and I think that's why I could only be a writer I've been a shape shifter my entire life to get through I had a crazy family I had a disjointed upbringing um, blended doesn't even begin to describe my family uh, there's melodrama as everybody has but people cope in different ways and then there are ways that people don't cope and they just check out so I wanted to be present so I shape shift I still do that to this day. So I'm shape-shifting with this woman. So she took a call on speakerphone while she was driving. My favorite. A personal call, which she shouldn't have been doing. And her friend was on Facebook and reading the feed headlines to her. And there was some profanity to describe Tracy Hunter. And they were going back and forth and really laughing at this woman's pain. And I was sitting over there taking mental notes and couldn't wait. Uh, to get to my chair of dialysis so I could write this down verbatim. I learned a lot from reading Truman Capote, and one is I have an amazing memory for conversation. Mm -hmm. And I can 
um, recall things and then write them down verbatim. He did that within Cold Blood. He and Harper Lee went right. to Kansas to where the Cutter family was slaughtered. And uh, they both listened to people during conversations and stuff. And they'd go back to the hotel room and type it out. And he would say, she, did she say? And then Harper Lee would correct him. Okay, so I can do that. But I don't have a Harper Lee. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's harder to pull off on your own yes, when you don't have somebody to check it against, to that, check your memory against. That's right. And so I got to dialysis and I wrote it all down. And so I thought it was a perfect, um, well, as soon as it happened, I knew I was going to write something because my Cincinnati Magazine story really didn't have that closing scene. Mm. It was me ruminating and that story is too much me. So I wanted to button that up and I knew that there would be uh, an ending to this story because it's a court case involved. And so anyway, when it happened, I thought, lucky me, which is what I always say when something absurd happens and I know I'm going to write about it, whether or not it's going to be published. I tell you, I write every day. I write every day. Um, that's what you're a writer. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to write. Um, so my my column muscle, psh, if they called me right now, you'd be ready with a reasonable amount of money. It wouldn't even have to be fair, just reasonable. Are you kidding me? Yeah, my column stay muscle ready. stays warm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you say that as a writer, you write every day, and I, I always hear your voice in my head when I know that I'm not writing enough. But to be honest, I don't write every day. Well, there's a whole lot of emailing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. scheduling and calendar. Well, this that's and good blah, that blah, you blah. bring that up because that is also. A part of the professional writers, the striving writer, that's housekeeping. That's right. You have that's to see administrative piece. Yeah, you have to do that. And when I was on people's payrolls and stuff like that, I had to do that stuff too. But I still found a way to to write a sentence. Um, and when stuff comes to me, I don't care where I am. I write it down in a doctor's office, driving in the car. In the summer when I wear shorts, I have a Sharpie and I write on my leg. Wow. So when I get home, I can transfer. And I have four notebooks by the bed. Um, they're used to. I used to keep one in the bathroom just when I'm on the crown. I'm For thrown, listeners, you know. she has a notebook right in front of her under a stack of books that she brought into the recording. <laughs> so please know she's not lying. I just wrote something down before I came here that I didn't want to forget. And I was thinking... Danny and I have known each other for so long, and we're actually, she's the age of my sister, and we are actually more like sisters. Um, so I was like, this something's going to jump off. I'm going to have to write something. <laughs> Danny McLean is on some beep. Some foolish nest, yeah. usually. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so, yeah, so you're not... Um, you're not on that kind of like weekly column right. grind as you right. have been in the past. But I've right. been so amazed by the different ways that you've kept that muscle, not just the writing muscle, but the kind of creativity and um, and like the public facing piece of your creativity going. Um, so, for example, like in, what, Danny? Like, for example, <laughs> she touches her cheek. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about the collaboration that you did um, at, with the Weston Art Gallery just a couple years ago. Um, they had the show Sanctuary, oh. Kathy Y. Wilson living in a colored museum. Yep. That was the result of your collaboration with Emily Budendeck of Northside's Envision Vintage Store. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just talk a little bit about that. I think some people would say, oh, Kathy Y. Wilson, I've been reading. You know, I, I remember when she was at the Journal News, like mm-hmm. I've been reading her at City Beat, Cincinnati mm-hmm. Magazine. But for you then to do a visual art show, how did that come to be and how does it connect to your writing Girl, and your, your okay. literary Girl, okay, let me break this down so it's forever broke first of all 
ain't nobody. That's right. I said it. Um, uh, reading my stuff, going back to the journal news, except for my dead mama. They so, might be. Uh, it might be in those archives. Uh, um, <laughs> um, so Emily Boondeck and I are friends, and she's a wildly creative person. Wildly creative. I mean, ideas. Sometimes I'll say something to her in a text message, and she's like, she'll say, have you ever thought about blah 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 here's a link and then she just starts burying me with like information and i'm just like girl i was just ruminating anybody trying to work right now um <laughs> but emily boondick so she had this idea she actually had it a long time ago her original idea was to recreate a room from my apartment in her store mm. and i said now tell me what will be the purpose of that is my gonna be for sale because i wouldn't like that and she said no it's just like an installation and i said people will be sitting on my stuff and potentially stealing my stuff and so i'm like and i'm and, and how much does, does this pay right because i don't do anything for free anymore Ooh, wise. nothing wise and she uh so we she tabled it and then I guess she proposed it to the West End with whom she has a, a good working relationship. And then um, they came over and did what they would call a studio visit. Mm. And that was mine. The whole process was fantastic for me because, number one, I didn't have to do anything but show up. Secondly, they treated me like an artist. Mm-hmm. I've been around visual artists all my life. And I know the ins and outs of that. And I know I understand the economics of art. I have a, uh, a deep understanding of uh, artist relationship to the world and how uh, black artists, especially black female artists specifically, are always fighting to be treated fairly mm-hmm. and to be, um, you know, shown, ex- exhibited, collected, you know, all that stuff. So they treated me like an artist it was really like some red carpet five star treatment i can't dennis harrington lord have mercy thank you so he said yeah he walked in my door and said oh yeah this is something we could do now is he what the chief curator at the western he's the director okay uh dennis harrington and so to understand this you have to understand go to the western and just look at past exhibits and, and look look in there and see then you will understand what I'm what I'm saying. My my apartment is absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there's there's scarcely room for my partner and I right now. And I'm and I'm actually selling art right now. Um, I just gotta make room. And it was down there. We did a couple programs. Um, I, I had a public address. Was one of my um, what do you call it? Responsibilities. Yeah. Pardon me. And uh, it was it was more people than they've had in that theater than for any uh western program ever. i went to the opening it was the best party of the year <clears throat> the, the opening was the, was the bomb wasn't it, it? Was bomb. yeah it was good and i was sick i was april still, rain was april DJing. rain was the dj yeah. I, wanted, I wanted it to be a party and it was it's my house you know it was like two and a half rooms of our furniture and art and tchotchkes and stuff and uh and i write on the walls at home so there was text on the walls down there from kids I had kids come in and write on the walls during one of the children's programs and I just wanted to be like you were at my house yeah um only there probably would have been I wanted to burn incense and they were like um there's probably a fire right issue with that and, and I, s- I made a soundtrack yeah a sanctuary soundtrack that played on a loop in the gallery oh. during the whole um during the whole exhibit it's just some of my favorites Roberta Flack Donnie Hathaway Stevie Wonder Donnie uh Ray Charles, all that. And say a little bit more about the 
the art that you collect and it's, and do you see that as an extension of yep, your writing and yep. your your literary self-expression absolutely um i think i made this up i'm not sure but the term I use is negrobilia, mm-hmm. and it's all that offensive stuff that your grandparents uh, try to act like they never had. But then when they die, you find a box of it in the attic and then try to sell it at the garage sale. <laughs> Only you put it in the back of everything, and if somebody happens to discover it, you're happy to give it to them for a dollar. Mm. And if they don't, you don't know what to do with it, so you put it back in the attic for your kids to find. And this is how this stuff stays in circulation. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I just... I call it liberating it. So when I see it, I snatch it up. I mean, I I won't even say on this microphone the things I've done Mm. with my money to get this this stuff. I'm obsessed over a piece right now that's, uh, yeah, I got to get it or I'm not going to. I look at it on the phone. I took a picture of it. I'm just living with it, imagining where I'm going to put it. I don't have anything like this piece and I'm like I'm starting to sweat now I'm talking about it I love this stuff and so the the cast iron mammy is on the cover of my book and when we were thinking about book images my 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 publisher was talking about a lot of different stuff he wanted to put me on the cover I'm just like no no brother that's like 1990s Nathan McCall that's Mm -hmm. what makes me want to holler like no I totally remember that cover yeah yeah and so you know he had the little the little Koofy, Koofy all in the in the fake uh, textile African textile vest in the the leather pendant. He sure did clowning, and I didn't want to do that. So I was I come from a P and G family, so I understand advertising and iconography. I said I just need a symbol like a black fist mm-hmm. or something. And then it was Richard Hunt who said, "How about that, Mammy?" Your publisher, my publisher. Mm-hmm. He said, "How about that, Mammy?" And I almost knocked him over. It was such, I'm like Elaine from Seinfeld. And she was like, get out! Um, <laughs> and the test shots and the test design was just spectacular. And um, so I liberate those things because I think they're beautiful. And then I just want to remind people that this is what you thought of us. This is what you did to us. You know, I got stuff in my collection that I got a P&G game, board game from the 20s that is piccaninnies the game pieces are piccaninnies and it's for ivory soap wow png is procter and gamble for those of you who are (laughs) listeners who are not cincinnati uh who who don't know about our cincinnati shorthands yeah what the piccaninnies have to do with ivory soap i mean you could make the connection like they never clean exactly like use you know 99 percent pure oh um so when I, I write at home, I'm not a public writer. I see people like writing in coffee shops and stuff. That's performative. I write at home. Um, so I like to be able to just look around. And my the whole run of the first run of my column, the original that's in the book and all that, that was all written, inspired from what's inside my house. Every single line, including music. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm stuck, I don't get writer's block ever, but if I'm stuck and I just, I just walk up and down the hallways, I just look at something and then I'll get lost in a paint stroke or something or something Tom Shaw did with a line. Mm. And then, uh, you know, and I'll make the connection of how did he get from there to there? And then I'll go back and write a sentence. And sometimes I try to write sentences like a piece makes me feel, mm-hmm. if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. It does. Yeah. It it's does. hard. It's, it's hard. It's very hard. It's not for the faint hearted and it's not for new writers. You got to be in 
your head. I remember. Um, so we met. We met. I'm a. I'm a place it. We met in 2002, I think. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Dean Blaze introduced us. Mutual friend. <clears throat> Um, and I remember coming over to your apartment and as impre- impressed and kind of in awe of your art. Um, and it was nothing like it is now. It was a previous iteration. I mean, yeah. it was, a, you know, it was you were headed in the direction that you are now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but as taken as I was by the visual um, stimulation and by the environment, I remember I used to just come over and stare at your bookshelves. I yeah, yeah, like, I remember that. Yeah, yeah I would and yeah. like, okay, tell me about this. Let me borrow this. Let me yeah. borrow this. And um, and so and, and you're one of the few people I loan books to. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe and in that. And I think you lent you loaned me um Patty Smith just just kids. kids. And I, I was like, it. trick. Know, where's my book? No, believe me, I still feel shame. No, but I got you the replacement, but that the original had your notes in it. My bad. No, but up. you found up. it. Oh, I have I? two copies. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. Okay, cool. Well, so um, I remember in those early days of our friendship, you telling me that working at the library was like your mm-hmm. graduate program. Mm-hmm. So say mm-hmm. more about that. Say more about that. So what did you do at the library? You got a good memory. I, I was for five years. Well, I started off in the binding department down in the basement with uh, a bunch of bitter <laughs> women. Um, it was a lot of fun, though. It was a lot of fun. And I got to understand the uh, inner workings of the, the, the library. I've, I've been a, I'm have been i a library person. I was raised at Lane Public Library in Hamilton. Uh, we were a literate family. We read. People read to me. I've been reading since a, a very young age. I'm not, you know, prodigious or anything like that. Um, just always interested in words. In fact, I used to write on my bedroom walls. And when I was a little... Your parents let you get away with that? Girl, what? my father did not. Um, and they would wash it off, but it was Crayola crayon, so the plastic in it was, could still be visible, mm-hmm. which I thought was even cooler. So I would do it, and then my father, I would take the punishment, and my father would wash it, and my mother would say, let's let her have this section. Just look, she going to do it. Like, just let her do this. Mm-hmm. And so they gave me a little piece of the wall in my bedroom when I was a kid. Um, so I started in the binding department just to get my foot in the door. Because back then, the library was was legendary. It was like getting picked for the NBA draft. Yeah, They just were not hiring just any old body. Right. And my stepbrother's girlfriend worked in the lending department. And she would bring job postings home for me. And she sat me down and told me how to construct my cover letter. She was like, say these words. And it worked. And I got this interview and I started in the binding department part time. I was still going to UC at the time, but living in my dad's house before his part. And then um, the first little uh, the first job, which was was a step up that I knew I was qualified for was in the literature department back then on the first floor inside Directly between uh, Vine and Walnut Streets, back over there. Uh, um, so this is all Main Branch. You came this in. This is Main. Main came in on Main, okay, baby. Okay. Came in on Main. Uh, first round draft pick. <laughs> um, <laughs> from Hamilton. Um, so I I was a, the the evening assistant, twenty eight hours a week, five to nine Monday through Friday, all day Saturday, mm-hmm. and. Um, during the week, there's a rotating roster of librarians. So you'd work with a different librarian. Monday was Carol St. Andre. Tuesday was Bruce Sherwood. Wednesday could be Donna Monick, the department head. Thursday was, or could be Myron Neal also. Um, Thursday was Jack Barrett. Friday, I got to say, I loved all these people. Friday was my favorite because it was, 
<laughs> oh, I'm not even going to call her name. Crazy. Crazy. Bananas. We had so much fun. I'm going to tell you, I had so much fun at that desk. Patrons would come over and ask us to be quiet. <laughs> like, can you be quiet in here? Is this a library? This one woman came up and she said, is this a library or not? <laughs> um, Five years. Five years. And I would go down. You know, we had responsibilities as the evening assistant. I had a, a group of shelves that I had to read uh, and reorder them because people would just put books back willy nilly. And I never, I didn't, I wasn't good. I didn't do a good job at that. But what I was good at was reading all the shelves and teaching myself the Dewey Decimal System inside and out, um, which I had a faint understanding of as an elementary school kid. And uh, the reference, I mean, I would just go over in the reference alcove and sit on the floor and read the Oxford English Dictionary. I'm a nerd. I am such a nerd. Oh, this comes from the low Latin. I thought it was high Latin. <laughs> oh, that's old English. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. And then the, the, the clothes stacks downstairs, two floors of books. Are you kidding me? In a temperature controlled environment. Mm. And I could just be on Saturdays when I was off the desk. I would just go down there for hours and hours and hours. I discovered negritude. Um, boy, I discovered all kinds of uh, literary criticism, mm -hmm. and I, I just—it was incredible. And then I was—I so, was a really good evening assistant, so other department heads would ask me to fill in. So I filled in over in history, nine seventeen, travel, um, education and religion, one hundred to three hundred, philosophy, and I think even art and music. And I loved it because, you know, you're out of your environment. But it's another subject matter. It's like another opportunity to be an expert on something. Mm -hmm. So that's why I have all this garbage in my head. Right. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And I and I left UC. Middle finger. I was done. I was like, I'm in the world. I'm finna be a writer. I've taken a vow of poverty. I can't do nothing else. Uh, you know, stand up's not working out. Let me I'm that was a joke. I was I'm, like, when did you do stand up? Yeah, I did do stand up, okay. but not all right. Yeah. Um Yeah, and I just took the vow. And I learned at the library. And when it, on slow nights, I would work on my poetry. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would work. I would edit. I would line edit my poems. And then when Donna, who's the department head, when she was gone on Saturday, you know, it was like home alone. We'd be running around crazy, <laughs> eating donuts on the desk. And, um, so I would be in the back typing up my poems. Were you doing spoken word then? No. In my apartment. Okay. Yeah. You were you were performing your poetry in your apartment. Yes. Got you. Yes. Got you. And for my mother. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, what are you reading now? I see you brought some books. I with girl, you. I bought a stack of books because I, I said that. Danny McLean, the Uber professional journalist, she's <laughs> going to ask me what I'm reading. So I I learn I I am dyslexic. Dis see, I can't even say it. Mm -hmm. I'm I can't even say the word. Mm -hmm. It's so backwards. Dyslexic. Um, which I've known since I was about 19 or so. Uh, actually, Marvin Garrett at the University of Cincinnati, my freshman English professor, uh, suggested I get tested. <laughs> I'm laughing now because it was funny how it came down. Um, so I never did understand why it would take me so long to, to, to read when I was growing up. I mean, I could read. I could read, and I knew words. But, you know, E's and A's and O's and 
stuff, P's and Q's getting turned around. And I still do it to this day. I'll see a word as one thing. And I'm just like, that sentence doesn't make any sense. People are stupid. And then I'll go back and read it again. I'm just like, oh, that's not what that says. I have to be very, very careful. So it takes me a long time to get through a book. So I say, oh, yeah, I can read. I can chew gum and walk at the same time. I can read more than one book simultaneously. And I have a huge stack next to my bed that I'm plowing through, not plowing through, digging through. But this is what I'm, I'm working on now. Citizen, an American lyric by Claudia Rankin. This woman scares me. Mm-hmm. She's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, heavy, an American memoir by Kesey Lehman. Mm-hmm. Is it Kesey? Casey. I don't I think it's Kiese, but I'm not certain. Kiese. I'll um, say Kiese. I think, I think it's Kiese. Okay, Kiese Layman. Mm-hmm. Um now I feel about him the way I felt when I first read Hilton Isles. Oh wow. It's for Say it, more why? Um those are two of my favorites. Yeah. When I first read The Women by Hilton Isles, which I discovered in the Borders bookstore in Tri County, which doesn't even exist anymore, over in that corner ghetto where the black books were <laughs> at least they gave us a window so look out the window i remember that bookstore yeah I know look exactly out the window black people about. and ruminate over why we don't have more black books uh, <laughs> then run outside and get on the bus and go away from all this craziness <laughs> which is what i used to do um just scout just reading the shelves again my library training reading the shelves reading the shelves and it's a it's a strangely shaped book it's like rectangular that's what caught my attention and it's very very slender You'd have to really be looking for it. And I pulled it out. The cover is intriguing. Black faces on the cover always gets me. And I just started flipping through. And I was like, man, this book's going home with me. Never heard of this guy. Yeah. Um, never heard of this guy. And and uh, I read that book. And, I, and it's so slender. It's only three essays. I had to put it down so much yep. because it disturbed me. I was trying to figure out who in the world did he think he was mm-hmm. telling these kind of truths. Mm-hmm. I had to look words up. Mm-hmm. My books are annotated. I write in my books. Um, unbelievable. And I feel that way about Kiese Lehman mm-hmm. and uh, how to kill yourselves and others slowly, how to slowly kill yourselves and others. Same thing. Slender essays had to put it down. Took me forever to read that book. Um, uh, can you ever forgive me? Oh, okay. The Israel. I saw the movie. I have not read the book. Yeah. yet. Yeah. She is ridiculous. She's dead now. Crazy. Right. Good writer. And uh, here are more beautiful things. Oh, there are more beautiful things than Beyonce by Morgan Parker. It's poetry. This is poetry. I always have, try to have some poetry in my stack mm-hmm. because in my heart, I'm a poet. Nobody really knows that about me. Um, and Hunger, Roxanne Gay. Roxanne Gay. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Hunger and Heavy Together. I was reading those two things together. I was, nah. Yeah, Mm-mm. it was it was too much. I together. had to go to bed. It just made me go to bed. I just had to take a nap. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, so of what you're reading, I could speak most intelligently about heavy because I read that last year. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I think he's doing he's having a conversation about black masculinity mm-hmm. that nobody else is having, right. and I think it's critical. Mm-hmm. And I need to go back and reread that book. It is it critical. So so many things. It is critical. Um, you know, when I was teaching journalism at UC on the first day of class, I used to um, look at the students and say, protect no one. Don't cover for anybody. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you help somebody in a lie? Why would you keep lying? And then I would we had a writing prompt that I would do about identity, um, trying to get them to figure out 
who they were outside of drinking, smoking, having too much sex, too, sleeping too much, skipping class, lying to their parents, you know, calling off work. All those things that we did, we all did, that college students do. That's a part of what college life is, is trying to get down to who you are. Right. And using that. And then and then the rest of the writing assignments, which were 15 for the year, you know, were all based on identity somehow. Just a just a quarter click turn on identity. I'm very interested. I'm very interested. I really like when writers write about identity because yeah. it's a fallacy. It's a fallacy that journalists are fair. Right. Can, that's a lie. No, yeah, I was just having that conversation with somebody. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this the piece around like protect no one. <clears throat> Uh, yes, good writing protects no one. And, you know, you, for most of us, we want to be able to go home again. Mm -hmm. That's also true. And I, and I would tell them, if you're not ready, don't mess with it. Right. Yeah. Do a little self check. If you're not ready, don't do it. Yeah. And that's one thing that I appreciate about heavy is he's not keeping anybody's secrets. He's telling a very intimate story about his relationship with his mother. Right. And, and I bet you he had a conversation with his mom. Oh yeah. In fact, I I think he, I think he talks about giving, you know, the book to his, the manuscript to his, to his mother to read. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but I think that that, I think that that's critical advice. If you're not ready, don't do it because it's better to not do it than to do it poorly. I have a box full of story ideas about my family, me in relationship to my family, that I've never, some of them are like essay length, some of them are like columns, and some of them are just like scratches of paper that I won't ever write until I'm fully prepared. I'm almost there. I thought it was going to be when my dad died. I thought, but that was, that was kind of like a fake thing I was putting in my head that was going to happen, and it didn't happen. So I, I, I trust my intuition as a woman, as a black woman walking around in this crazy atmosphere and uh, uh, very much as a writer. If you don't know who you are, just as a person, just as a person, just sitting down doing nothing with no identity, you know, related to work, you won't know who you are as a writer. You have to do inventory. You have to do self-reflection. You have to do self-introspection. And you have to tell yourself the truth. Um, there's a, there are a lot of there are a lot of writers out here publishing who are liars, and to me it shows in their work. Um, Even when they're not writing about themselves, just yes. in how they're looking at and writing about the world. Yes, yes, and for some reason they won't carry the truth. But what I also used to tell my students is it doesn't matter if you continue to lie because the truth exists without you. <laughs> so you can get on the bus and get to the truth if you want to, or you can miss that stop. But the truth is always going to be at that corner. Mm-hmm. Always like the dope boy. Always on that corner. <laughs> you know you're almost home when you pass this one dope boy. Um, yeah, I can't say enough about it. And I've been a liar. And let me just say, I've been a liar in my life. I thought I was the bomb as a liar. Mm. Turns out I was not. And a lot of people let me know in rapid succession. Um and that was part of what I, the catharsis I came through after my mother died. Um, I was just like, oh, I don't know who I am. Oh, okay. This is cool. Let's start over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So you talked about this box full of uh, story ideas about mm-hmm. your family that, you know, might go someplace someday for now. Mm-hmm. They're on ice. But what are you working on? We, you mentioned the, the writings that you're doing around dialysis. Mm-hmm. I've heard you talk about a, a book tentatively titled, Do You Know Who I Think I Am? Yeah. What's, what are you working on? Um, I, I can say of those two things, do, do You Know Who I Think I Am? Those are long form narrative uh, nonfiction essays that will be one on each member of my family and as in toto then it will be my memoir and uh that's some rough that's some rough stuff that's some rough stuff um so that's always like in my back pocket I go to it every once in a while I still make notes on my play um I just thought of another scene yesterday and Tori Wiggins is the actress who also um co-authored Really, she put that script together based on my book. We're going to go back to the play, and it's going to be judged up. Uh, but I can say, every, I can say every day I'm working on the dialysis diaries. Okay, so say more about that. It's uh, just my journey with this uh, these chronic illnesses, and it. I can't figure out if it's going to be in journal form, like dated entries like that I don't know how I'm going to tell it I think I am going to do it that way because that's how I'm keeping it so it's everything from dialysis to the um, the trials and tribulations of the American healthcare system um, dealing with ageism and racism and getting doctors to stop talking to me like I'm a stupid runaway slave oh, oh it's ridiculous um, um, the people in dialysis our characters right, because this girl because this is a a collective treatment, right? Like yes, it's not girl, just it's a big room. Oh, it's a big door. room. Yeah, right. it's a big room. And these people are characters, the nurses, the whole scene, the whole scene. But I'm going to tell the stories of the people that I'm making fun of so that they are fully developed. Right. So it's not just, you know, me sitting in my chair just talking trash about somebody else. Because mm-hmm. no, one person is no better than the other right. in there. We're all sick. I love it. Mm. Kathy Y. Wilson, I want to thank you. Is this it? This is it because this person, as you see just as well as I, is hanging out outside this recording booth acting like we're... Is this the timekeeper? I can't exactly tell what's going on, but I do know is it? that it's time for us to wrap up. It is? I guess so. And I would like... Yeah, we have... Yes. We have... Yes. <laughs> Girl, next time, call me at home. Let's do this over the phone. I can be in the bed. I'm kidding. Like, Danny, oh, your face funny. was, you were crestfallen. <laughs> yeah, I was crestfallen. Yeah, I could feel my, oh, yeah, boo. my face oh, just fell. Oh, daddy boo. But I want to thank you for making time to come down here and talk um, about all the things. And um, yes, and thank you for listening. This is the first of uh, a monthly podcast. Uh, first of episodes that will come out every month. And I hope that you'll continue to join us on Inside the Writer's Head. See you next time. Special thanks to the Library Foundation for funding the Writer-in-Residence program. You can meet Danny at various events throughout the year. Learn more by visiting cincinnatilibrary.org slash writer-in-residence. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. And leave us a review. It helps other book lovers find us. Thank you. Thank you.